<laughs> Good morning. Great to see you. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for uh, getting in here. I saw the hands of morning versus evening. This is kind of mo way more split. 8.30 was mostly all morning people, which you would assume, right? So how many of you want to guess what the 11.30 service will probably be? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's kind of fun to see that, but uh, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for taking the time to come. Everybody online, hi. Welcome. Thanks for coming. And uh, we want you to just be a part of us. Take notes, enter in, think, pray, and uh, be a part of this great day. It's always fun to kick off a new year. How many of you know it's 2022? <laughs> yeah, just checking to make sure because it, it comes quickly. If you've tried to write it down yet, you know, I, I always write the wrong year for a few uh, times when all this starts. But, you know, I, I like kind of that new beginning of the year. I, I always have, even as a kid, those kind of New Year's Eve's parties and celebrations and getting ready to new year, uh, have a new year come into my life. And I always take it seriously uh, in our church as well. I always try to be prayerful about what God might want in a new year. Not so much like resolutions or you know, joining a gym, which is fine. But not, not so much like that as much as, God, as we kind of turn the corner into another year, what do you, how do you want to use Timberline? And, and my role is to help figure that out, along with our pastors and deacons and a lot of our leadership team. But this all happened about October. I started praying about this. And, and coming into November, I was really prayerful about what this kind of a weekend was going to look like because i always try to launch the year with a it's not really a state of the church as much as it is where are we going and and what are we doing as a church so i hope that today you will kind of lean into this take this seriously and and put your heart and mind to say how am i a part of this vision that god has given uh, us and I had, it sounds crazy, I'm not a God told me person. You, if you've been at Timberline for decades, you know I don't stand up here and say, God told me to tell you. I'm always reluctant when someone kind of comes up to me. And as a pastor, you get a lot of this. God told me to tell you. And it's usually what they want to have happen and has nothing to do with God. Um, but, but I, so I'm, I'm kind of reluctant. I didn't even say this last night and someone said, you should sit, talk about your dream. So God talks to me sometimes through dreams, and I know when they're of God and when it's just the pizza that I had the night before, you know what I mean? <laughs> I have those too. But I do, I, I, I was praying, and this was in November, and I had been really praying, and I'd been talking with my wife Bonnie about where are we going as a church, and I had this dream that I walked up onto a platform, and it was Timberline Church, and it was this weekend. And it was the first kind of weekend to talk about vision. And these words came out of my mouth. And you have to understand, I had not said these words. I had not written them down. I had not even had a concept of these words as I was praying about what it might be. And I said this. I stepped up here and I said, today I want to talk to you about hope and encouragement because it's what the world needs. And I woke up and I was kind of like a cold sweat moment. And Bonnie, I told Bonnie about this and she prayed with me, and I, and I knew. I knew from that moment on. I shared it with our pastors and some of our leadership team, our staff, to say, I believe these two words are very important. And so I, I began to dive into what these words really mean. And 
the concepts of, of hope and encouragement. And I think it matters what I'm about to say in terms of hope. Because I'm not, there are many, if you, if you look up the word hope in the dictionary, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see that it is both a noun and a verb. It's used either way. And so I'm talking about it more probably as, as a noun, an, an absolute, a for sure. I've called it the blessed hope, and that's been a word that I grew up with, meaning at the end, God has a plan and we know what happens at the end. So I'm not saying, we use hope like wish. Like we say, I hope you come to my party tomorrow. I hope my dog does okay at the vet. I hope the Broncos win. Of course, I stopped saying that. <laughs> I'm still a fan, right? But anyway, we, we use it, I'm not using it that way today. Let me kind of explain how I'm using it. There's this thing called the Blessed Hope that has to do with John the Revelator who wrote the last book in the Bible. And he was on this Isle of Patmos. He had been banned there. He would die there. And, and he has this vision. If you've ever read the, the book of Revelation, you know that it's the sky rolls back and God lets him see the end of all time. And he starts to write it down. And it involves all kinds of crazy stuff that he was trying to explain don't know what it all was. We never do know fully what it all is. But here's what you know. When you get to chapters 21 and 22, the last, the last part of this, this writing from John, God wins. The evil in the world, the hatred, the deception, the sex slavery, the, the things that we despise the things that we as a church care about stopping and putting to an halt. One day, one day, God is going to step foot on this earth again and all evil will be gone. And He will rule and reign forever on the earth. Now, that is called the blessed hope. That's the hope that I'm talking about today. It's, it's a hope that goes beyond what I wish for. It's a hope that requires faith to believe, but once you believe it, you become an encouraging person automatically. Why? Because you don't have to live in despair. I, I, I came across this in a very unique way years ago. So <laughs> let me tell you what happened. Back in like 97, 98, 99, the Broncos were a, a team that we had here in Colorado that was a really good football team. You guys remember them? And, and I became like an avid fan. And, and got, you know, jerseys. And, and we actually ended up, some, a couple in our church offered us to share some season tickets. And so our kids were at that really fun stage to take them to the games and spend $10 for a Coke, you know what I'm saying? And uh, $30 for a hot dog. And, and, and it was just a crazy time in our lives. And we loved going to the games. And I, I got caught up in, in, in being a fan of the Broncos. And sometimes when they would get behind and it looked like they were going to lose, I would find my emotional life just being distraught. I just, it was like so hard. And I would have this thought like, I don't even know these people. They don't even know me. Why do I care? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you're just, it's just this crazy stuff. 
And so one day during this, this time, uh, they had been Super Bowl champions. I think 98, 99, they went back to back. And it was John Elway, Terrell Davis, and all the big names and stuff. And, and I, there was a, an early game on a Sunday that I was speaking on. And so I couldn't see the game. So they had just come out with this really cool thing, like a DVR, where you could record shows on TV. How many of you remember that? The, wonderful. So I, I got it all set up and prayed to God it would work. And I came to church and I preached my heart out knowing that I would go home and watch a Bronco game. And, and I didn't want to know. I told people, don't tell me the score if you know. And I'm walking out of the building to go home. And someone says to me, can you believe the Broncos pulled it out in the last 20 seconds? <laughs> oh, it's just like, okay, thank you. Go home. Get some food, turn on the game, fumble, we, we go behind. I had no stress. None. Like it was the most enjoyable game I've ever watched in my life. Another interception, we're down 14 at halftime. I'm like, this is awesome. Why? Because I knew. I knew that in the end we win. I, I, had, I had no reason to have any emotional uh, downside other than I know what's going to happen. And that does require faith, but I'm telling you in the spiritual realm, when you have faith and you believe and you have the hope, the blessed hope that God will one day return and in the end God wins, you don't have to live terrorized by evil. You don't have to live by the fear of death. Guys, I'm going to die. You're going to die. If I find out I have cancer or some blood disorder and I have to stand up here and say, I, they've said I have six months to live, whatever it's going to be, I can tell you I'll be sad. I can tell you I won't like it. My family won't like it. I'll do everything in my power to get well. I mean that. But I promise you, I know that nothing will ever kill me forever because I'm going to live forever. Because the kingdom of God declares that. We have eternal life. Now, that's not making light of your hardship. Please don't think that. I weep over the sorrows of this world. I am sad that I have lost friends and family to death for the evil that's in this world. I hate it when people die in car wrecks and in and, and, and different ways and, and accidents. But I know in the end God wins and I'm a part of that kingdom. So as a church, how can we be a people of that hope, that blessed hope? And suddenly, because of that anchor that has dug into that, we become encouraging people and a lot more enjoyable to be around because we don't have to get caught up in all the hoopla that's happening in the world right now. We really don't big statement but i believe it's really true i think of the three hebrew children in the fiery furnace and they basically if you know this story the king said you're going to bow down to this idol and they said i don't think so oh yeah you are you are you going to die <laughs> okay and you know what they said to the king they said god can spare us but even if he doesn't we're not going to bow why? They had this hope. 
What do you do with that? What do you do with people who have that? What do you do with the Apostle Paul, who they say, you're going to stop preaching or we're going to kill you? And he goes, awesome. I'll be with God. <laughs> Come on, can we do it today? And then they're like, oh man, that didn't work. We are those people. We are those people. Think about that. Hope. In Corinthians 13, and then we're going to get into the outline, I promise. There's this love chapter. A lot of these words are at weddings and stuff. Love is, love is, love is. And it's wonderful. But it ends with this statement. Three things will remain forever. Remember what they are? Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Those are the greatest three. And he goes on to say the greatest of those is love. That's why let love live will always be who we are. But the hope that we have allows us to let love live. And that's the point of today. Without the hope that allows us to let that love live, it doesn't live, it dies. When you just try, this is not a sermon about try harder. Come on, you can do it. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, no I can't, no I can't, uh, I'm done. That's not what this is. This is saying, my hope is built. <laughs> we sang about it on nothing less than who he is, not who I am. And if you have that, then you have a chance of really encouraging this, this world we live in. Number one in your outline, these are two questions. The first and second point are questions, and I'm, I'm serious about the questions. I want you to try to answer them today. Who are we becoming? I believe I ask you this question at some point every year. It's a part of my DNA in my life. I have it on a list, literally, in my notes on my phone at the beginning of every year to ask this question because I think it's a good measuring rod because I know who I'm becoming a little bit better if I go back. Sometimes I even go back in my calendar and I say, what was my attitude back in January of 2021? What was I dealing with then? If you journal, you really know the power of this and what you were wrestling with at the time. And I feel like this question really speaks into my life. And this is about the, the path that I'm on, and it's not really about the accomplishments that I may or may not make this year. So it's not checking off the list. Who I am becoming has to do with the trajectory of my life. And so I would like for you to just contemplate a couple of, of questions. Like one is this. Say this in your mind with me. This year, over the past year, I want to, and in the future year, I want to become more, and you, you finish that sentence. I want to become more, what would you say to complete that sentence? Could, could it be positive or godly or whatever it is? I want to, I want to become more of this. And, and maybe the second part of that question is, I want to be less this. And that, that could be jealous or angry or I want to be less of that and, and more of this. And then analyze, where are you? Have you? Are you becoming those things? And how do I get there? Because I don't think it's automatic. How many of you have a, a thing called human nature? You have it, I have it. And that is a battleground. Because I don't think we naturally aspire to that faith that gives us the hope, the blessed hope. I think that's a muscle that we work on. This involves everything in my life, this question of who am I becoming? 
And I think you can apply this to tangible things. Who am I becoming in my walk of faith with God? That's usually where I start. But also, who am I becoming in my financial security? Am I being a good steward? Am I giving? Am I saving? And, and I know there's lots of philosophies about money, but I hope you have one that is working. Because I think it matters, and I think it's biblical. Am I becoming more healthy? Again, I'm not, I'm not talking about becoming a bodybuilder of some sort. I'm just talking about where am I? <laughs> I had a funny thing happen last night. I was at the Welcome Center after the service, and a, a really sweet lady, she's been a part of our church for a couple years, and she came up to me and she said, I didn't understand when you said, I finished this sentence, I am becoming more, and then you stopped. She said, I just said, yes, I am. I said, and then she said, I, I realize now you weren't talking about that. I said, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. But where is my health? What about my relationships? Who am I becoming as a husband? I'm married. Am I acting like a married man? Are the principles of my life, do, they, do I look like a married man? Am I faithful as a married man? Women, think about this. Men, think about this. Are Bonnie and I getting closer or farther apart? Is there a wedge between us? From last year to now, do I love her more? Does she love me more? Are we working on that? Or are we just going to let it happen? Whatever happens, happens. You fall in love, you fall out of love. Well, I don't believe that. I believe there's something powerful about asking the questions. Who are we becoming? My habits. My patterns, am I getting sloppy? Am I getting lazy? Am I paying attention to my attitudes in my life? How I view others? Am I jaded? Am I cynical? All of these things really matter. Where am I spending my time and energy? That's why this question really matters. I hope you'll, I hope you'll take this seriously even throughout this week and go, who am I becoming? And do I like it? What trajectory am I on? The second question that I want to ask you is this. What matters most in your life? What absolutely, if you had to finish the sentence, what matters most in my life right now is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this really tough, okay? I want to take out to love and serve God. Because I think that's probably a default answer to that question for all of us. So let's just assume that's number one. What's number two? After serving and loving God, I want most, this is, what it, this is what it is. Is it about relationships? What is it? If you can figure that out, you have a chance of getting there. But if you don't take the time to figure that out, you'll never have what you really most want, mostly want. It's worth pondering. I slipped into that kind of spiritual mode when I was doing this for myself. I always try to put this all on me before I bring it to you, and it's not always fun, but I, <laughs> I said, and I actually jotted it down, I said, I want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, from Matthew 25, the stewards, and they, they, were, they were, you know, it was a parable, and Jesus is telling them they're given these talents, and one buries it, and one invests it really well, and the, the master comes back and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because of that, you're going to get even more and then i start thinking about that and i start thinking that is a true want of my life i want to finish well 
And I ended up with three little categories in my life. And one was after, you know, the, the God thing was relationships matter probably most to me. Just being, being strong in my relationships, being authentic in my relationship, finding God's purpose, living it out well, and then finishing well. And I think, I think whatever you put down on that paper, look at it over the year and ask if you're, if you're getting there, if you're doing these things. And, and take, don't just let it happen default. You won't naturally, you won't naturally go to those places God is calling you to. Listen for the nudge of the Spirit. Let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. This is an invitation. And then encouragement happens, as Dick Foth would say, on the backstroke. If you have your hope and you know where you're going and you know your trajectory, then you're going to be an encouragement to every person you encounter. You just will. So this is a reminder for that. The third thing is not a question. So let me, let me ponder this for a moment. And it's more of a statement. Our future, your future, revolves around our thinking. You have a brain that is very powerful. Some of you may, may doubt that right now. Just the other day, I walked into a room and went, why am I here? Why am I here? I had to go all the way back where I started, and then it hit me. Oh, I know why I went in there. So then all the way over there, I'm like, this is why I'm going here. This is why I'm going here. This is why I'm going here. Right? <laughs> oh, your brain is powerful. And what you put in is what you're going to get out. And Paul, he's writing to this church in Philippi, and he loves them, and they have a great relationship but he says this cool thing in verse 8 of chapter 4. He says, Brothers and sisters, one final thought. And I love this about Paul. His one final thought is 26 things. But he says, fix your thoughts. That's your brain. What you're thinking about. Can you control what you're thinking about? <laughs> I've seen some of you like, I'm not going to shake my head either way. I don't think you can always control what comes into your mind because of that human nature, but I think you can control what you keep there. Embracing or rejecting is a part of your thought process. The Bible says, take those thoughts captive, the thoughts that are evil. And you can do that. And that, that gives me hope that I have the power through the Holy Spirit to know when I shouldn't be thinking these things. And he says, fix your thoughts on what is true. And there's a list. Honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Wow. Things that are true? Oh, how do you find that? Then I, I realized everything I hear on the news is true. <laughs> everything I read on Google is true. Right? Not what is true? How do you know? I, I've given a lot of thought to this, and one of, one, of, one of the things that I just ended up with in frustration when I was trying to figure out how do I think on things that are true, it boils down almost to being the virtues of God. That's all that I can think of in our world that we live in that truly is authentically true. Just the virtues of God. I'm going to think about those things. Things that are honorable. These are things that should be admired. If you knew my thought life, would there be admiration toward what I'm thinking about? Honorable. Things that are right. 
things that keep me in, and this is an interesting word, righteousness is connected to this word. Things that keep me in right standing with God. Right standing with God. Think about things that are right. Right standing. Keep me in right standing with God. Things that are pure. This has to do with motive. Why am I doing this? This is pure what I'm thinking about. Things that are lovely. This means things that bring peace and joy to others. These are lovely things that I'm thinking. Admiral, things that create respect and honor. Is my thought life creating respect and honor for and from others? Admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And what will happen if we live with our minds focused on these things? A lot of good things can happen. Use your mind as your greatest asset. Just make sure that you learn how to discipline your mind this year because it will determine who you are becoming. In our culture, the, the downside, when you, when you live a, a few decades, some of you who are really young, some of you young couples, you'll see this. You'll see this. You're raising kids now. You're busy. But you'll see as you live longer, you will see that this world we live in gives us access to more evil every decade we live. And, and I know you can go all, back, all the way back to the Roman world and the things they did, the debauchery, the, the destruction. If you study history, you know the destruction of all the great cities come out of immorality. And the unwillingness to live with your mind thinking these types of thoughts. And people get selfish and it destroys cultures and worlds. And America is pretty young. But boy, we have a lot of opportunity for our minds to drift out one button. And it's, it's on my screen. Greed. You know, it's, it's a scary thing. Everything that can happen to us. And just pay attention to who you're becoming in these areas of your life. Now, I don't like to do messages like this without some practical steps to say, how am I going to do this? And so, here's what I'm going to do. Um, and I have three of them. Number one, I'm going to make a, a, a decision each day how I want to live. I'm not going to say this is my, my one like New Year's resolution and I'm going to make it in January and I won't remember it in May. That's not what I want. Okay, I'm going to say today, and I'm going to try to say that every morning, and I've worked up a little way for me to do that. I, and I am one of those morning people, so it's not hard for me to do. But if it needs to be at night, I don't care when it is. But do something daily that's a reminder to you about this moment that we're having right here. What, what can you do daily? And, and, and you're going to decide and you're going you're to walk into it. That's what we're going to do as a church as well. We're pretty passionate around here. Our staff, I'll tell you, we have an amazing staff. And we're pretty passionate about making a difference in our world and in our community. And we're taking a lot of little steps to say, we're going to engage in this in our county. We're going to engage in this in our city. We're going to make a difference. And, and you, guys, you guys have done this because you care. You pay attention. And you're, you're making a decision every day to get out there and make a difference. The second thing I'm going to do, and I invite you to do, is to think about your connections with other people. Who are your friends? Just name them in your mind. 
Okay, who are your best friends? Name, name those. If no name comes to your mind, we want to pray with you today because it's hard. And some of you, you can't think of a best friend. Who can you trust with everything? A lot of people have no one. What if you were to become that person in their life? What would have to happen for you to be that in-depth in a relationship with someone that you believe in? The other day, I heard, I heard someone say, these are my peeps. I said, what? Said, these are my peeps. I said, what are your peeps? They said, my peoples. These are my peoples. <laughs> like, that's not even a word. <laughs> these, are, these are my people. And I, when I'm with them, something happens. And what it means is this is it. This is, this is my group. This is who I connect with. My brain goes there. My heart goes there. I will, I will help. I will die for these. Who are those people? What is your community? How are you connected? Are you putting time and energy into those friendships? I'm going to do better at that this year. I, I, can, I can get caught up in just doing the routine of of my work here at Timberline and my calling. And, and that's not a bad thing. I, I love it. I think it honors God, but there's more. And I'm going I'm to listen to that. I love this quote. I'm going to tell you this every year. A person went out to find a friend, and he found none. A person went out to be a friend, and they found many. One word makes a difference. Let's be a church that continues to say, there you are. That's been a phrase we've said for a long time now. There you are. Instead of, here I am. The natural human nature always says, here I am. What's in it for me? But because we have this blessed hope and we want to encourage our filter can look at others first and say, there you are. I see you. I see you. And that really does take me to my last one, and that is make wise deposits. The other day I was writing a check, which I rarely ever do. I, all my bills are paid mostly online, automatic deposit here from Timberline, and then you know, you set it up one time and it pays your house payment and all that stuff. And so I hardly ever write checks anymore. So, some of the other stuff's hooked to a credit card, which we pay off every month. And so I keep a checkbook, but I hardly ever use it. Well, I had to write a check for something. I wrote it and I, when it, it's perforated on the back. You know, how many of you still write checks occasionally? And you pull, you pull it back and it kind of tears out, you know? And I noticed it was the last check. And I think it's been two or three years, this, those little however many are in that packet, uh, and I pulled it out, and, and I, went, I said, I don't even know where the checks are, you know. But I knew Bonnie would because she's organized. I said, do we have, do we have some checks? She said, yeah, and she, she brought me one. And I took the old thing out, and I noticed that it had a few little things that were still in there. You know what they were? They were deposit slips. And because I have automatic deposit, I, I hadn't used those. There weren't very many. And I'll tell you this, there are a lot more checks than there were deposit slips. And I, I thought about that. And I thought, I wonder in life if we typically 
make a whole lot of withdrawals and very few deposits. What does that do to our culture? So I'm determined that I want to be a person. I want us to be a church, and we are, but I want us to continue, and I want us to be very targeted toward this, to really make deposits in our world. Givers, not takers. There's a few withdrawals you need to take. I get that. I get emotional about this, but because I have this blessed hope, I don't have to live in the despair like those without this blessed hope. I don't have to. I I just don't. (laughs) It doesn't mean I'm never sad. It just means that I I have a faith that somehow goes beyond that sorrow because I know I'm living forever and one day God wins. I'm going to make some deposits. We're going to make some deposits. And we're going to be givers. And we're going to continue to believe God for His plan on this earth until He returns. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be a church that makes deposits in our world. Real, real tangible ways of living with this hope, of encouraging people who are in despair. We are a peculiar people because of this hope. Thank you for that. Lord, I want to make a deposit in my marriage, my friends, my kids, my grandkids. What do you want to make a deposit in? Just tell the Lord right now. I want to make a deposit in this. The homeless, the needy, the hurting, the wounded. Lord, as a church, may we see them. May we say, there you are. Like you did for us. If you need this hope today, you say, I'm not quite there. (laughs) I get it. I get it. With no shame, I want to pray over you. No shame on your part at all. The world, it sucks life out of us, and I'll tell you, it's easy to get downcast. It really is. So if you need this hope that I'm talking about today, not just to try to muster it up, but you need a miracle that your eyes of faith can be opened today. Would you just lift up a hand to God? Not to me. Lift it up right now and say, God, I I want this hope. I want this kind of hope. God bless you. Lord, I just pray that we will somehow believe you for the impossible. It's not possible to live like this. But through you and your eyes and your touch and your nudge, the Spirit births in us the renewed mind, the renewed man. Thank you. We accept it by faith if you're here without forgiveness from your sin you haven't really put your faith in Jesus Christ right now would you just do that just say Lord cleanse me the Bible is really clear you just must come to him and believe and confess your sin he's done everything else you don't have to clean up before you come to God 
Lord, help others to say yes to that. And we'll help you today. You say yes. We'll put something in your hand before you even leave this morning, okay? Lord, we give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.